Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we give you thanks and praise for every person here believing that you're at work in our lives, believing that you have a plan and a purpose for us. And Lord, you're directing us in the way that we should go. Thank you for your help. Thank you for your strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we started a series a number of weeks ago called The Church. And we're going to pick up tonight with that same message, that same series, The Church. Everybody ready for that? Okay, Matthew 16 and verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. So based on this foundation that Jesus said, I will build my church, uh, how many know he's still at work building his church? In other words, his assembly of people. Called people, call them out to come together. And Jesus said, that's what I'm building. And so because we know that the Lord is building his church, and even when he said this, the church age had not even begun yet. How many know when you read the gospel accounts, if you're ever going to understand a number of scriptures in there, you have to realize that Jesus is still under the Old Testament. Okay, even though those books are in our New Testament, he was still under the Old Covenant because the New Covenant began with him sealing the deal, right? When he uh, became the covenant man by dying for our sins, cutting covenant with God, and we slide in through faith in him. And so he was still under the Old Covenant, so that was not the church age or the age of grace. And he said, I'm going to build my church, so I know for certain he's talking about our time. He's talking about our day. What's Jesus up to? He's building his church. He's building his church. If I know that he's doing that, I also know what I should be doing. Because if I'm going to walk with him, if I'm going to cooperate with him, I have got to have in my mind church building. Say, what do you do? I build church. (laughs) You know, we think of, we might think naturally if you say, I build churches. Well, <laughs> well, t- people think, oh, you're in construction. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, kind of. <laughs> but we're not swinging hammers, and maybe you might be. Uh, but as far as our Christian part in the kingdom of God, what are we to do? What's your assignment? I'm telling you, you have a part to play in building a church. Building The church, which is a lot bigger than just this church, but you build the church by building this church. And other people build another church, okay? But it's critical that we have that mindset when it comes to God's working in our lives. Say, what does the Lord want me to do? He wants you to build the church. Now, that's going to look different from different people's uh, assignments. Different people do different parts of that. But ultimately, it's not just... I go to church, 
I build the church. Amen. Everybody with me tonight? Okay. If this is of great importance to Jesus, it should therefore be of great importance to us. The church should not be a side issue in any of, in any of our lives. Now, let me just remind you who I'm talking to here tonight. I'm talking to those who are very interested in God's plan for their life. I'm not talking to a person who says, well, eh, whatever, because this message doesn't work with them. Because they have come to feel good. And, that's the high, and we, can, we can feel good, that's fine. But they have come, and that's, their, that's the most important thing to them. Or they've come just to see somebody else. Or just because, you know, I'm going to feel guilty if I don't. But that's not, the, that's not the target audience here. Okay? My target is, is those who really want the will of God in their life. Really want God's best. I'm telling you, this is in our minds. Build church. Not, I, you know, I just want to find a place where I, you know, I'm just comfortable. Just want to find a place where, you know, well, like I say sometimes, and I say this in some of our classes, uh, sometimes people have come and they say, you know, I, I really want to be a part of something that's not really big. And so they look for a smaller church. And I understand that. People feel like sometimes when you get into churches of thousands of people, they feel like it's hard to get to know anybody. They're just lost in the crowd. And I understand that motivation, and they're not all misguided for, for seeking that. But a mature person will also recognize that part of my job is to make everything small big. And if something is small and remains small, there's something wrong. Okay? Why? So how, why would you say that? Because, you know... Maybe that's what I want to be a part of. But listen, if you're a part of something that's not growing, it's very likely you're a part of something that's dead. Hmm. Or at least dead in some areas. Because they've lost the focus and the purpose of their existence. And we took last time, if you missed it, go get that and listen to that. Remember, we, we were to do four things. We're to reach up and we're to reach in and we're to reach over and we're to reach out okay and i don't want to go in and explain all those things again but if we're missing some of those areas we're just not doing church right okay we're missing some of god's heart and some of god's objective for bringing us together and it'll always seem like something's missing and if we're missing you know uh you know you knock the leg out of off of a table you know, if it's a four-leg table, it'll stand for a while, right? Unless someone leans real hard on one side. Four-leg, you know, and there are churches that are surviving, not doing everything. They're still standing. But you take another leg out, and yikes. It seems you have to, you know, you have to do at least three-fourths of the will of God to even survive. <laughs> but you take out another one, you fall flat. Amen. So why are we saying this? We need to have God's mind, his perspective on this whole thing that we do over and over again. I mean, don't we? 
<laughs> what are you doing? Going to church again? <laughs> my, my little girl asked the other night, was getting ready for church. She asked why we, she said, uh, how come we go to church so often? <laughs> or, <laughs> I forget how the way she said it, you know, because she goes to right now four services a week. <laughs> Because the three on the weekend, the one on Wednesday, and, and then uh, uh, everything else. And so she goes to, like, the kids' class, the same class three times in a row on the weekend. <laughs> and and, and there, she's not complaining, you understand, she's three. <laughs> she was just asking me, how come we go to church? I, mean, I don't remember the language she used. <laughs> but I think it's good to understand why. Not necessarily for her, but uh, for us. Whether you come to that many services or not, you know, like uh, like I do, probably not. But um, you come over and over again every weekend, you know, midweek service. And a year from now, you'll still be doing it. Giving up hours every week. You know, you got your commute time. Some of you come way early to volunteer and help. Why? Why do we do it? <laughs> We are building the church. We're walking right hand in hand with Jesus. This is what he is doing. This is what will be rewarded as well. We're doing the will of God. Now, if someone comes with a wrong motive, that could hamper rewards and hamper fulfillment and all that. But what we're doing here, this is something that Jesus dreamed up. This, this was his plan. He said, I'm going to build this. We are a manifestation of this verse right here. He said, I'm going to build it. And when they're together, I've called people out together. Hell will not be able to stand against them. Yeah, we become impenetrable when we are together. Come on, bring it on. We are the church that Jesus has built. We make the devil nervous. I'm telling you, because back out of the mouth of Jesus, he said, devil, you won't be able to touch them. <laughs> You're not going to be able to touch them. That's when we get together. Amen? Amen. Praise God. This is fun. I don't know about you. <laughs> let's, uh, let's look at a couple things. Uh, Acts chapter 6. Listen, it's of... Uh, like I said already, it's of great importance to Jesus. Therefore, it needs to be of great importance to us. The church and everything that church does, including services like this, need to be way up there on our list. It can't be a side thing in our life. Well, my main thing is work. No, it's not supposed to be. And the Lord knows you work and, he, and you know, gives you abilities and skills to prosper in your work. It's not like that's bad or out of the will of God. It's still, a lot of things we do is for a higher purpose. Even if you work and you're building a Fortune 500 company, is that important? Sure, if you're doing that for a higher purpose. If the end result is, man, I just got a, I got a name, I've got a reputation, I've got stuff. Well, man, that's all going to burn. It's all going to be a big pile of ashes one day. And so big whoop de do. I'm, I'm speaking from the Lord's perspective, by the way, because people will go, wow, you've really done something great. But if I haven't done it for a higher purpose, 
the Lord says, you know, yay, <laughs> my little child, big whoop de doo Okay, whatever you do in your life, fine. Do it with all your heart. Do it as unto the Lord. Do it with a higher purpose in mind. Amen. People naturally take care of their own stuff with greater diligence and care. Have you ever noticed that? Like, like, uh, like renting a car. You know how you rent a car. <laughs> well, I'm not saying you, but some people. You know, you get a rental car and... Oh, it's cool. It's got one of those hand brakes. <laughs> Maybe you've never done something like that. Pastor Mickey has. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't be. <laughs> but there's, how many know there's something about, this is not mine. You know, if you get if you get a, a a new car or a newer car, you know, and you look down the side of the door, on the outside, it's all smooth. There's no dings or dents. How many know you care where you park? <laughs> I was with Pastor Allen and Pastor Mickey yesterday, and we were going to lunch, and so you know, I find the end spot in the parking lot, and I pull way over so my wheel is right next to the curb and there's a tree there <laughs> and so they have to get out of the car like this and I just step out I got cause I got this much space between the car and the line so no one can come and ding my car up <laughs> meanwhile I wanted to take a picture of them getting out <laughs> why it's mine <laughs> and I don't want someone else to mess it up you know you think naturally more about your own stuff but again when it's someone else's now let me, let me just say this i'm not telling you to do that <laughs> the bible does teach us that if you're faithful with another man's then uh you know basically the principle is the lord will give you something of your own so don't go messing up the rental car <laughs> but you got to use that break if it's there <laughs> So I say this to, say, to, to give us this perspective. If we care more naturally about our own stuff, whose church is this? There needs to be a mindset if we are going to effectively build the church where we identify with it. And it goes from your church or the church to my church, right? Right? And we all need to have that, ultimately knowing it's the Lord's church, but it's mine. I'm in it. I have a part to play in this. And when someone really refers to it as theirs, you know, you'll, you'll, they'll use terms like we. What are we doing? Instead of, what are you guys doing? You know, you ever heard? And, and sometimes that's the case when someone's new. They don't really feel like it's theirs yet, and so... They say, you know, use those terms, uh, you know, what are you guys doing and, and, and so forth. But it, we need to get to a place where it's we, where it's ours. And this will, will reveal our position. And, you know, when a person has a stake in something, it becomes more important to them. And uh, I have, a, of course, 
without even trying, <laughs> I have a big stake in this church because partly it's my, it's my vision, you know, and, it, and it's, it's what the Lord sent me to do. But I believe that same ownership can take place in the hearts of everyone God sends. And, uh, and again, yeah, I, I look at natural things, and you can see when someone takes ownership, just like the illustration of the car. And, and uh, you know, people, people will oftentimes, you know, if you're in public, people oftentimes they walk past a piece of trash, and they're not going to mess with it. You know what I'm talking about? People go in public restrooms, and, and uh, you know, they wash their hands and get water all over the place, and, and who cares? I'm just saying that's typically an attitude. And... Uh, when something's yours, though, and I'm not saying that's the right attitude. That, that's really not mine, even when I'm in some public place. I just, I just think I don't want to mess this up for somebody else. But even more so when something's yours, you know, you walk by and you see something's wrong. If you're able to fix it, you just do. Why? It's mine. And, and the, the, the ownership stake that we must all take, I believe, will help us to deal with what the Lord has given. And not just talking natural facilities and stuff talking about people because if if this is my church and you are in my church i don't want to break you i I don't want you to be damaged in any way if i walk past and see that something's wrong with you well well, that, that would matter to me why this is my this is my family this is my church and i don't want anything to be suffering i don't want anything to go neglected I want everything to be taken care of, everyone to be strong, everyone to be uh, supplied for in every area. It's been, it's been demonstrated when people buy stock in a company, you know, on the stock exchange, NASDAQ or the Dow or something, uh, that they're more likely to buy products from that company. Well, why is that? Well, I own it, you know, or you own some shares in that company, so all of a sudden you notice them when you're shopping and you look shopping in the grocery store and go oh yeah i own that company i'm going to buy that brand over the other brand again something about owning something how can a person get in our local church from yours to mine to where that's the church i go to or uh, to the place where they say no that's my church i have a stake in that well i would encourage you to do three things if you want to really uh, begin to t- teach, uh, to treat the Lord's work with the value that he sees in it. Number one, give. <laughs> Buy shares. <laughs> <laughs> when a person gives hard-earned money into something, it takes on a greater importance to them. I mean, if someone puts, you know, they work hard and, and, and they invest and, or, you know, in this case, give offerings and they've helped build buildings or purchase land or buy television cameras or uh, whatever. They've put money into something. It automatically is more theirs in their own mind. Say, so it's just, just the church that I go to. You haven't given much, have you? Because that'll change. When you start putting your heart in, say, well, I don't, I've given. I don't really feel like you need to give more. Until until it gets in you, <laughs> say, can you say that? <laughs> I'm trying to help. Yeah, until you feel like, man, I want this thing to succeed. I want this thing to prosper and grow so much so that I'm willing to invest 
hard dollars into it. Number two, number two, how to get from yours to mine is pray. Pray. How many know when, when, when Jesus taught us in Matthew chapter 5 about how we're supposed to treat our enemies, one of the things we're supposed to do is pray for them. Well, what does that do? It really messes up that whole bitterness and anger thing, doesn't it? I mean, if you're genuinely hurt by someone else or someone else offended you in some way and you genuinely begin to pray for them daily, not pray, Lord, kill them either. Uh, <laughs> but pray, Lord, I pray the blessings of God on them, you know, and start praying the word, praying good things. You continually do that. How many know it's going to wipe out all those feelings from your heart, the negative ones, the unforgiveness and the bitterness? It does something. When you invest prayer, it'll change your heart towards what you're praying for. When you genuinely invest prayer for the local church here, what's it going to do? It's going to do something in your heart where you feel more like it's yours than you did when you didn't spend that time, when you didn't pray that heartfelt. Remember what, uh, what Peter, uh, the words in Peter about the continued heartfelt prayer, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. When you're given time and you may cry and you may sweat and you may groan and you may shout the victory and you may, pr you're, you know, you're, just, you're investing your prayer into what God is doing you're going to show up with a different mindset you're going to approach the people with a different attitude why you've been praying for them hmm it's, I mean it's serious now tell me you you if you're uh, if you're sitting at home and you start praying for the church and and someone's face comes before you and they you know you're just Lord I'm just praying for the church and a face because the church is people and he may have you pray about natural stuff, but it's people. And you spend the next 30 minutes praying for a particular person, praying in the Spirit. You can't tell me when you come to church that that person's going to be not going to mean something special to you now. Whether you ever tell them or not, maybe you don't. I've prayed for, I've prayed for a lot of people in here, and you never know it. Why? Because you came to my mind while I was praying. I'm praying, worshiping God, and the Lord brought you before me, and I spent time praying for you and you alone. Say, who? You. <laughs> I'm just saying, why, why, would I, why would I tell you? I mean, I, I, just, I don't feel the obligation unless the Lord, you know, put it on my heart to say something to a person. I don't go around telling everyone, I spent, I spent 45 minutes praying for you this week. Unless it seemed like I was supposed to for some reason. But you, you just do that. But how many know that affects your heart towards the church, towards the people? You see them, and you see them at church. You've invested time, valuable time of your life in their well-being, in their success, in God's plan for someone else's life. That's the kind of stuff supposed to be happening. But it changes our heart and our attitude towards what God is doing here. Because watch, watch when it happens. Watch when it happens, and you, you say, I'm just going to start praying for the church. And you start praying for individuals. Or all of a sudden, you start praying, oh, oh someone's got, you start praying for illnesses. 
And then you watch someone else, myself or someone else, come up and all of a sudden have a word of knowledge. And you, you're the one who prayed it out the night before. And I say, there's someone here who's got a problem with their ear. You, your spirit jumps. And you think, yeah, the Lord wanted that. And I was the one praying about that. You're not looking for fanfares. You don't, probably don't even say anything. And someone comes up and gets healed, saves them a, you know, a couple thousand dollars in doctor's bills, saves them all kinds of pain. I mean, no, you just invested your time and it produced something and something's happening. I'm telling you, things work like that. Number three, serve. Number three, serve. When you're actually giving your time, to serve the people in the church, serve the mission, serve the goals and the vision of the church. You're saying, I'm, I'm going to put my hand to the plow. I'm going to give my time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay my life down for somebody else so that their life will be better. I'm going to invest myself into the life of a person who walks in our doors and they don't have any clue what we're all about. And I'm going to make them feel like, you know, they're their royalty in this place and they end up getting saved as a result of it you you begin to serve people begin to serve what the Lord is doing in the house that will change your perspective about the whole thing amen I told you to turn to Acts right well let's do it Acts chapter 6 and verse 1 Acts 6 and verse 1, now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. In other words, there were some people, the apostles in this case, who it was very clear that God had anointed and called and gifted them. And it was the best case scenario that they be constantly in the word and in prayer. And they had so much other, so many natural things to deal with, like this complaint with their distribution and and helping widows uh, that they found their time being taken away from prayer and the word and they're dealing with a lot of other natural stuff and they weren't able to give themselves fully to what God had anointed them and equipped them to do he said that's not good he said I want you to get some people together so they can take this thing over so they can run the, the natural affairs of this and uh and when they did that, uh, well, that was the will of God. I want you to know that's still the will of God for how ministry is to function. Not one person is to do everything. And there are certain times when people are so busy doing things that they really shouldn't be doing that the church becomes less effective. Everybody know what I'm talking about here? Okay. The most amazing thing happened after this first of all this is the some might say this is the largest the greatest miracle in the whole bible you ready for it verse five and the saying pleased the whole multitude 
I don't know if that has ever happened again. <laughs> the saying pleased everybody. I try real hard <laughs> to bring forth inspired utterance and direction. That <laughs> so everyone would be pleased. I don't know that it's ever happened yet. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, however you say all these guys' names, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. When they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then notice what happened. Then the word of God spread. When did it? Then the word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. When did the word of God spread and the number of disciples multiply? It is when people rose up to take on responsibility and serve to free up those who were called to be in the word and prayer, to preach and teach, to focus mainly on that. In that case, in that situation, all of a sudden, someone said, well, God just must have, by divine, you know, sovereign move, he decided to draw people in more than ever before. That's not how it worked. No mention of sovereign move of God. No mention of, and revival struck the land. And people came from the north and the south and the east and the west. And they came to the church because God was on the move. What happened? You didn't know I had a preacher voice, did you? <laughs> Because people stood up and said, I'll do it. People stood up and said, I I'll help with that. I'll take care of that for you. I'll go ahead and deal with the people that are grumbling <laughs> in this situation. The word really meant to serve tables. They were talking about serving. They said, I I'll take care of that. That is when all of a sudden things exploded. And I'm not saying this to take away from any season or divine inspired move of God's spirit. I believe he does things at some times that he just decides to do and it was the time for it. No question. But I'm telling you, I believe if we do things like they did, carrying out those principles, we can initiate great explosions of growth. And some will say, what did you do? Did you guys have a breakthrough in prayer? No, we had a breakthrough in service. We had a breakthrough. All of a sudden, people stepped up and said, I want to be part of building the church. I want to be used of God. And so I just said, here I am. I'll do whatever, whenever, however, as long as it takes. And I'm just available, available to serve. They said, I'll take care of it. I'll serve. An explosion took place. Isn't that amazing? I think sometimes we give all credit, and don't get me wrong, all these things have a part to play. But we think if we're going to see more people saved, the most important thing for us to do is pray. 
I'm not going to say that. And I believe in prayer. And I believe in praying people in. I'm saying that's not always the solution. Sometimes the solution is getting up and doing something. Getting out there and making things happen. Getting up there and doing what the Bible has said to do the whole time. But even, even us, I mean, we know better, but too often I think we sit back and we wait for God to do it. We wait for the next inspired move. And I've found this just in my own experience. There are times when God moves on me unexpectedly. Where I wasn't looking for it, it seemed like, there he was. And all of a sudden, I'm hearing stuff. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm seeing things. And, I'm, and I like it and bring it on, Lord. But I have found far more often that I receive revelation and understanding. And the Spirit of God begins to move through me when I look to him. When I take an initiative and say, Lord, you want to speak. You want to move. What is it? And I go after it believing that he's wanting to do something. And, and again, I, wanna, I want to avoid our church being a passive church. And, well, we're just believing that the Lord is going to send people and cause this thing to be built because it's his will. Well, you know, I can't say I disagree with that. We're going to believe the Lord to send people. I just also believe in go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's in there already inspired by God. I don't need a new wind to do that. I don't need a bright light and an angelic vision to do that. I'm telling you, I I knew this guy, uh, still know him, but uh, not real close to him. I haven't talked to him for a number of years. But he was, uh, as far as winning people to the Lord, it was almost like breathing. I mean, I was just impressed because we all as believers want the lost to be saved. And uh, he he would work out a lot. He was kind of a bodybuilder. And uh, he would just, everywhere he went, it seemed like, I mean, if you turn around and look the other way, you look back, he's praying with somebody. Someone's getting saved, you know, and I, I asked him one time, so how long do you normally, since you do this so much, how long do you normally speak to someone before they get saved? He said like a minute and a half. <laughs> and I'm not saying sometimes it can't take longer, <laughs> but it's just like he was just, he just took that step and he just decided. I remember speaking with another person who was very similar. Okay, and they're just, they win thousands of people to the Lord individually. Thousands, just them. And this other person, I was asking him one time because we were out to eat. And, you know, he got the the waiter saved, of course. Uh, (laughs) And and I was asking, I said, so you do this more often than most, more often than I do. And uh, and I asked him, I said, are you, you know, you are you looking for a leading, you know, where, where you're looking for a prompting from the Lord to talk to a certain person? He said, no, I just figured they're lost. 
and I, I, you know, I know Jesus and I have the answer, so I just tell them. And I, listen, I find that's more common in people who are really getting stuff done than, no, as soon as I walked into the restaurant, the cloud hit me. And I knew. I saw that person glowing, so I was moved over there. But we sometimes want a supernatural, spectacular experience or leading. And then, man, I'm going to be used of God. Man, just giddy up and go do it. (laughs) Percentages are, if you go talk to anyone on the street, they're lost. Now, you'll run into some saved people doing it. But (laughs) percentages, though, you found a good one. You found one that Mark 16, 18 works on. (laughs) Right? And... uh, and you can, or 16 verse 15, you know, going with all world and so forth. And, uh, and you can be used of God. So while some are praying for, and don't, give me, don't take me any negatives about praying when I say this, but while some are praying for revival, you're going, you're going on ahead and having it. Hmm. While, some, while some local churches, bless their hearts, we love them, are waiting for a move of God. We go ahead and decide to have one. Say how? Well, here's one way. We just serve. We step it up. Because I've got, you know, I've got Mark 16, the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. I've got scriptures like this that said when they did this, it exploded. The word of God spread the number of disciples greatly multiplied and even Stephen steps up right in the middle of that you know we call this the acts of the apostles sometimes this book was Stephen an apostle no but Stephen steps up starts having miracles starts having a great demonstration of power he had faith he had power he did great signs and wonders among the people and when I say that sometimes that registers with some people's hearts yeah I could do that yeah I could have great power I could have great signs and wonders. yeah you can yeah, you can. Stephen was one who just stepped up. I'll do it. I'll do it. Amen. So where, where does, where's the leading of the Lord in this? Well, let the Lord interrupt you if you're going the wrong way. Listen, there were times in the Bible where the Apostle Paul started to go a certain, certain area, and the Lord said, no, don't go there. And if you're going the wrong way, the Lord can steer you. But, you know, you've heard the old saying, you can't steer a parked car. And oftentimes we just need to get up and say, well, I'm just going to start doing something. I'm going to find something I can put my hand to, give some, God something to bless so this thing can explode. The word of God can go out and the number of disciples multiply. I'm going to go ahead and get going. I'm going to go ahead and get serving. I'm going to go ahead and get talking. I'm going to go ahead and get my car rolling. And if I'm going the wrong way, the Lord's faithful. He'll direct you, direct you back and, and order your steps. But at least we're not sitting idly by and saying, just waiting on God. How long have you been waiting? <laughs> 30 years. 30 years been waiting on God. I saw him move 30 years ago. And I believe it's coming again. Yeah, whatever. While you're waiting, the rest of us are going to go ahead and have revival. I mean, if you can be like one of these other guys... They started it all by themselves. Think about if, if, if in the next year, all of a sudden, we say, uh, you know, we had 2,000 people answer our altar calls to be born again. Wouldn't we say, man, revival's broken out here. 
I'd be like, praise God. Because that that's a huge increase, in case you didn't know. You know? Well, I mean, people are getting saved, but you know, it's usually one, two, three, four here. In, you know, good service might be six. But, you know, if you do that every week, that's not very many, that's not very many for the year. That's all we're doing. Yikes, I'm disappointed. But what if one person decided to just giddy up and go? Take every opportunity they can. And they want a thousand people by themselves. And if that seems like massive, okay, one. <laughs> and not, not feeling guilty or bad about it, one. That's more than most of the body of Christ ever does. And I'm not beating up on you because I know some people, when you say that, they feel bad about it because they know they've personally never led another person to the Lord. Listen, you're in the majority, but don't take comfort in that. But don't be condemned either. Just say, Lord, I believe you can use me. And not, okay, now I'm waiting. I'm waiting on an opportunity. Opportunities are all around us. I didn't plan on saying all that. You know, let me just say a few more things and, and we'll finish up for tonight and pick up next time. Uh, there are different metaphors in the, in the Bible that kind of give us a picture of the church. And actually quite a few. Some of the familiar ones are the church is a family. How many know in a family, at least in a good family, everyone has responsibilities? It's not some people in the family sit around, lay around on the couch. Well, this is not supposed to be again. But <laughs> some people in the family lay around on the couch and don't do anything. In a good family where, you know, everything's working right, everyone has a part to play. It's not one person or two people doing everything while everyone else is free freeloping just riding on the tails of everybody else everybody else just serves them everybody else just waits hand and foot on them i realize why i'm while i'm saying this uh, that some people are realizing that things aren't right at home okay but i'm just saying the way things are supposed to be everyone in the family should have a contribution to that family they're not just receiving from it, they're contributing. How many know the church? Like I said, we're called the family of God. We are the household of faith. What's a good church look like? A good, fully functioning, successful, exploding church. Everyone does their part. There's not a whole lot of free riding. Is that quiet? Because that's kind of hard to take. We're also called, as you know, another popular, well-known metaphor is a body. We're called a body. Same thing there. You can see, and it's very well demonstrated in Scripture, in a body, every part has a function, right? Every part does its share. Every part has a, has a place in the in the body functioning right if the leg decides to go to sleep i don't know if you've ever had that <laughs> maybe you're sitting funny or laying funny and a leg goes to sleep 
That's real uncomfortable, right? Especially during the day, because that means it's going to be up all night. But everybody, <laughs> but if you're if you're walking along and all of a sudden your leg decides to not participate, how many know your body's going to have a challenge getting to where it needs to go? And if in the mission of a church, and I believe the Lord gives assignments, they're varied for different local churches. They don't all look exactly the same. But as the Lord gives assignments and and, and emphasis to certain local churches, if all of a sudden you're going along and part of the body decides, I'm not participating in this. I'm just I'm going to sit this one out. Well, the rest of the church is hopping. <laughs> We're still going to get there. <laughs> but we're not going to get there very fast. We're not going to get there. It's not going to be a whole lot of fun. And you might need to be replaced if you don't giddy up and help out. Amen. We'd ra- I don't know about you. I like my leg. In other words, there might, I'm sure there's some better, more muscular, <laughs> better looking legs. But I'm, you know, I'd just rather this leg do its job. I'd rather not replace it. Know what I'm talking about? And we feel that way about family. You know, natural family. Maybe parents, if you've had a child that's kind of gone off the deep end, or maybe they're just not behaving right. You think, well, we could just get another one. <laughs> well, you know, they might look the same in the bed and eat the same food and they'd be there. But wouldn't you rather just keep that one? <laughs> wouldn't you rather that one kind of shape up? And uh, Because there's a certain affection for that one. And likewise, in the local church, the local family, it's not really our desire in the body for those who are in the body to get left behind or to get replaced. We just assume that everyone in the body kind of does their part, steps it up, and so we can function together. Amen. Amen. I have more to say about this, but we'll have next week. And if the Lord comes back, we'll continue it in heaven at my place. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you to thank you so much for the, what you're doing and saying to our church these, these days. Lord, for helping us to be the church that you've called us to be. Lord, we trust you. You're enabling us to rise up and be strong, be influential, be effective, and for all of us to be in our place. Lord, we realize this. That what Jesus is building today, we have a part to play in that. And we can purpose to step up and do what you've called us to do. And great will be the response and the, the activation of heavenly equipment, divine appointments, and miraculous happenings in our midst. So Lord, we purpose in our hearts today to play our part, to be in the place where we need to be, to step up and let the Word of God be magnified. Let it be spread mightily. Let the numbers of disciples increase greatly. 
as a result of what you're doing in, in us and through us. Thank you for your plan. Thank you for your help. Thank you for your strength. Lord, we give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor.